Stemmen er som lydkilde en del af kroppen. Det, der frembringer lyden, er en organismes svingninger. Det har betydning for, hvilke tematikker der aktiveres, når en eller flere stemmer inddrages i kunstneriske processer. Stemmer etablerer både konkrete og metaforiske rum. Helt materielt betragtet sætter stemmer molekyler i bevægelse. Derudover indikerer allerede de præsemantiske lag i stemmen affektiv tilstanden, selvom aflæsningen af stemmelyde altid sker gennem en fortolkende optik. I dette musikalske rum skal vi lytte nærmere på nogle af de vokalister, der har brugt stemmen på eksperimenterende og andre måder end gennem et traditionelt sangformat. Det er ikke pointen, at det ikke kan være nyskabende eller eksperimenterende at skrive en sang, tværtimod, men mere et spørgsmål om at give sig tid til også at lytte på andre måder at bruge stemme på, der er grundidéen i dette rum. Så jeg håber, I har tid til at lytte med den næste times tid.
Vi hørte Gotham Blues med Meredith Monk. En stemme er formet af den kontekst, den er blevet dannet i. For eksempel kan et bestemt klangideal have indflydelse på, hvordan stemmen klinger i rum. Stemmer har forskellige frekvensrækkevidde. For sangstemmer kaldes dette med en klassisk term for ambitus. Nogle sanger kan synge fra de helt dybe toner op til de høje, mens andre har en anden rækkevidde i mellemlejet. Ambitus betyder ikke noget for, om man er en god sanger eller ej. Nina Simone havde for eksempel en ret begrænset ambitus inden for en oktav. En oktav er et interval eller en afstand mellem to toner, hvor stemmebåndene svinger med det dobbelte antal svingninger per sekund. Per konvention opfattes dette som den samme tone, blot en oktav lysere. Til gengæld havde hun absolut gehør og spillede fenomenalt godt klaver. Nina Simone beskrev, hvordan hun fandt ro, når hun var ved klaveret, og alle hendes bekymringer forsvandt. Did you know that the human voice is the only pure instrument? That it has notes no other instrument has? It's like being between the keys of a piano. The notes are there, you can sing them, but they can't be found on any instrument. That's like me. I live in between this. I live in both worlds, the black and white world. Sometimes I sound like gravel, and sometimes I sound like coffee and cream. When I'm on that stage, I assume honor, I assume compensation, and I should. I'm not a blues singer, I'm a diva. Nina Simone
Riemann Schneider, you know, the wood sculptor. I woke up when I saw his work. Europe to me was something brand new and exotic. You have to go somewhere else. It's like this cause and reaction. Abstract expressionism came along and produced conceptual art. Inspired people to do, let's say, the opposite. Do the opposite of what you are supposed to do and you will be doing right. Do the opposite, let's say, the opposite. I think that's true with most art, is like cause and reaction. And even the driest kind of conceptual art has amusement. Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. Uh-huh. I think it just exists in the air, like a playground of possibility. This is food for thought. Food for the future. Food for thought. Food for the future. Voicing the same words, doing the same things. Voicing the same words, doing the same things. Playground of possibility. Living for the moment. Daily activity. Artistic activity. Conceptual art. It's so abstract, this idea. I think it just exists in the air like a playground of possibility. Her hørte vi uh, A Playground of Possibility uh, med et Rushka, Russia og det komposition og produktion af Mark Matter og Stefan Rømer.
Her hørte vi Kaling med Joan LaBarbera. Rigtig meget musik af vokalbordet. Stemmen er let at identificere sig med som lytter og leve sig ind i, og muligheden for at have ord med i sangteksten gør det helt anderledes nærværende end instrumental musik. Det er i hvert tilfælde nogle andre mekanismer, der er i spil. Historiefortællinger og ord, der skaber billeder, forløb og forbindelser. Ofte tænker man på stemmen som omdrejningspunktet for en sang. Den ligger ofte højt i mixet og i forgrunden. Sangtekster er i sig selv et helt særligt rum. Det er et oplagt sted at dele følelser. Også følelser, der ikke kunne være blevet delt på andre måder end gennem en sang. Derfor er der også rigtig mange sangere, der bruger sangstrukturen, ofte med teksten i fokus som deres vigtigste format. Men der er også rigtig mange andre måder at bruge stemmen på. Big 
put some mountains here. Otherwise, what are the characters going to fall off of? And what about stairs? Yodelay. Det her Big Science med Laurie Anderson. Inden for musikken og kunsten har kunstnere brugt deres stemmer på forskellige måder. Syngende, talende, skrigende, viskende. Man kan se det som et sted mellem konkret poesi og musik. Laurie Anderson slog igennem i den kommercielle musikbranche med hittet Oh Superman fra pladen Big Science. Inden da havde hun haft en karriere på kunstscenen, blandt andet med performative værker. Spoken word og poesi fylder meget i hendes tilgang til sangskrivning. På denne måde fungerer talestemmen som en brik i sangens form, der trækker musikken i en mere eksperimenterende retning. Ordene har nærmest karakter af replikker, men er mere performative end teatralske. I've never really had a hobby, unless you count art which the IRS once told me I had to declare as a hobby since I hadn't made money with it. The only stuff I don't like are Broadway musicals. I hate them. I don't even like to talk about it. I can't bear musicals. 
I was working with a lot of big photographs and writing underneath them, sort of in this narrative art tradition, is what it was called at the time. And it occurred to me that it was a funny thing to be using words in that way written down through that kind of filter, just the way if you get a letter from somebody. You can get a phone call with the same kind of information, but you get so much more information on the phone because you hear their tone of voice, and you can understand a lot more about those words if it's spoken. And so I thought, if I want to work with words in that way, I should add that dimension to it, and so that was the first kind of performances I started to do. I just said, well, I'll just talk. Laurie Anderson Remarkable men, artists and craftsmen of the century, certainly one of the great teachers of our time, Laszlo Moholy Naj, was founder of the new Bauhaus here, Institute for Design, School for Design, and having read his wife and colleague's book, the biography of Moholy Naj, uh, Sybil Moholy Naj is here as guest for the opening of this exhibition at the, at the museum. I'm thinking of the power of this man, your husband and colleague, how, how, how applicable today, as we look upon one of his last works, in 1946 he died, and I remember in your book you pointed out he asked for something to, he heard of a nuclear bomb, and he also thought of the positive power of it too, didn't he? Yeah, very much so, yeah. He, uh, being by nature such an extraordinary optimist, he never could really believe that anything could be only destructive. You know, he, uh, all his life, believed that science uh, would be the great liberator of man. And I think it had to do, he spent his childhood on a very remote farm in Hungary. And uh, he always told me, you know, this idea about the dignity of labor and that sort of thing. I guess if you have seen how exploited these peasants were, uh, he felt that science was really the liberating force. And he couldn't believe that something like nuclear science would be totally destructive. This is why he felt Let's go back yeah. to this beginning because it led up, in a sense, to his concept of the nuclear age. He was, in yeah. a sense, prophetic. Back to the beginnings. He always had this feeling, didn't he, that within man were these great, within every man, were these great possibilities. Uh, this made him such a fantastic teacher that he literally, and I mean, this was not said, this was lived. He believed in the creative potential of each individual and that it was the task of the teacher even with, with uh, heartbreaking labor and with absolute um, putting his whole energies on the line to bring out that creative power in each individual. You know, I'm always thinking about this during the war. The school was almost extinct because we lost all our students and we couldn't get any raw material for workshops and so on. And so he had this idea that um, one should train you know, nurses and people like that for working creatively with injured war veterans. And he wrote a very beautiful pamphlet called Better Than Before, in which he felt that one should make these men better instead of having them do ridiculous things, you know. And it was uh, terribly difficult to get out of these old maids, you know, Red Cross workers and so on, I think. And he literally um, uh, forced them into seeing uh, what could be done in photography, in photographs, in uh, um, creative typography. In, and they said, well, we have never done anything like that before. How can you ask us to, to tell these veterans, wounded veterans? He said, look, if you believe in it, you can yeah. do it. Yeah. This, this particular point, this is Maholi, this Maholi Naj, this point, Sybil Maholi Naj brought you now. <laughs> and uh, the exhibition will go on through, it begins 
the exhibition begins... 1919, uh, or the earliest is 1919. 1919 to 1946, yeah, but yeah. here at the museum it begins on uh, Monday the 2nd, oh, oh, yeah, Monday, yeah, June yeah, 2nd, yeah, through... Yeah, uh, ju July 15th. Through July 15th. But before that, this, this, this credo of his, within every person, he was also involved as a teacher. Now, what attracted him, obviously, here at the School for Design, at the New Bauhaus, but always the fact that he was involved with the students. It was a give and take all the time, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he felt, uh, uh, I'm going to speak about this this afternoon, you know, but uh, uh, perhaps it's most uh, characteristic when he came here, he gave a lecture at the uh, in the big ballroom at the Nicaragua Hotel, and his command of English was that of a beginner's basic English. And uh, he uh, obviously worked with his feet, his arms, his, his hands, with everything to explain his philosophy. And afterwards he said to me, and you know the most marvelous thing was about these people in Chicago, they laughed. They really laughed. They really loved it. They laughed as if I were not a professor at all. And he never was wanted to be called that. He always wanted to have a workshop community in which he either sat with them on the floor, worked with them on a, um, in a workshop. And uh, the tragedy, of course, was that uh, in 19, at the end of 45, and all the veterans came back, you know, suddenly, instead of having 100 students, whom we all knew by name, we had 200, 300, yes. 400, and so on. And that defeated him very badly because uh, this was not a way he felt he could teach. I remember very well the circumstances. We heard here Stotts Turkle interview with Sibyl Moholinaj for uh, 1969.
We heard here Toshi Ishinagi extended voices for voices with MOOC synthesizer and Bukla Associates electronic modular system. Jeg betragter mikrofonen som et instrument, et værktøj, en kropslig forlængelse. 
Tilgangen til dette kredsløb, der kan forstærke og optage stemmen, er teknisk. Det kan være afstand til mikrofonen, mikrofonplacering eller installering. Allerede inden der er en mikrofon med i billedet, er sangstemmen et teknisk spørgsmål. Hvilken tilstand er stemmen i? Hvordan er stemmen socioøkonomisk blevet formet? Det er ikke stemmen i performative situationer, men stemmens performativitet, der interesserer mig. Stemmer situeret i kroppe. Kunstværker som situerede forlængelser. Come on, 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 come on,
Det var her Come Out med Steve Reich.
til Geraldine de Maria uh, Radiocast MC Ejner stopper med at stamme når han begynder at rappe på mikrofonen Sangere der skriver deres egne sange lægger typisk melodien i toneleje hvor stemmen klinger godt Andre vokalister går bevidst efter at bruge stemmen på ukonventionelle måder 
Meredith Monk taler meget om Extended Teknik. Stemmen kan anvendes til at frembringe alle mulige forskellige stemninger. Ikke kun smukke, men også dissonante, skærende, skrigende, uhyggelige anvendelser af stemmen kan etablere affektiv rum. Diamanda Galas anser sin vokalpraksis som en instrumentbygningsproces. Anatomisk set er musklerne i en stemme i konstant bevægelse, og denne brug af stemmen ændrer dens fysisk-skulpturelle udformning. Der er mange forskellige typer stemmer, lige så mange som der er kroppe. Der er stumme stemmer, stammende stemmer, dysfunktionelle stemmer, overhørte stemmer, lavmeldte stemmer. En bestemt krop kan også ytre sig med forskellige stemmebrug. My voice was given to me as a tool of inspiration for my friends and an instrument of torture and destruction to my enemies. It seems stupid when people limit themselves to one kind of music. It tells me they are not using their ears. Yoko Ono lied and said, without Yoko Ono there'd be no Diamanda Galas. I thought, bitch, you don't know anything about how press really works. Now listen to this one. I wake up and I see the face of the devil and I ask him, what time is it? Diamanda Galas. <laughs>